0: You're listening to the Psalms for Sojourners podcast, in which we look at the Psalms as prayers for God's people on every occasion. We hope it's a blessing to you. Hi, and thanks for listening to another episode of Psalms for Sojourners. I'm Cole Kirby, a pastor at Sojourn Montrose and the regular host of this podcast. And And today, if you're you're listening on the day that this is uh, released, which would be uh, November fourth, two thousand twenty. Um, you are. Uh, I am recording on Tuesday, but but the day you are listening is is the day after Election Day, and so and so we're all probably um, in some ways just thinking through and responding to who our president is going to be over the next four years. Which, who as I record, I don't know. The answer uh, to that question. Um, but today on Tuesday, election day, um, the Psalm that we were going through as a church is Psalm 118. And it says in, it says in verses eight and nine, it is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in man. It is better to take refuge in the Lord.'" Than to trust in princes, and so this is a theme that we see all throughout the scriptures um, that that God warns His people, and He sends prophets and judges to warn His people against putting their hope or their trust in human leaders uh, because they will inevitably disappoint. uh, They will inevitably be imperfect. uh, They will not be completely just or completely righteous, they will not always deal with equity, Uh, but the Lord will always do those things and he will always be with his people for his people, preparing the way for his people. And so I, I hope that regardless of, of how, how you're reacting to whoever it is that has now been elected as the president, and I'm assuming uh, that there was a decisive victory um, which I don't know as I record. Uh, and so maybe uh, tomorrow as this podcast is released, no, we still don't know who the president is, but either way, we soon will. Um, and and if you're part of Sojourn Montrose and you were with us this past Sunday, you know that I preached on the supremacy of Christ and, and, and how he is the king. He is the one that we ought to put our hope in. Uh, he is the one with... Um, with the ability um, to save us uh, and the one who is establishing for us a future that we can be sure in. And, and so I, I hope that, that this morning um, that you, you woke up with a commitment to put your hope in Christ um, and not either be uh, full of sorrow or fear um, or overly exuberant at the result of the election, Um, put your hope in Christ and and he will, he will never allow you to be put to shame for doing so. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in princes or presidents or kings or anything else. Um, but that's, that's really just an aside. There are two things really this, uh, in this episode that I wanted to discuss. The first is, is a bit of a reflection uh, on a part of Psalm 118 that I haven't already read, but, uh, but for the purposes of the podcast, I'm just going to go ahead and read the entire Psalm. I think it's, I think it's helpful. I think it will be good, uh, for us to have that, um, to listen to, uh, so hear the word of the Lord from Psalm 118, Oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good for his steadfast love endures forever. Let Israel say, his steadfast love endures forever. Let the house of Aaron say, his steadfast love endures forever. Let those who fear the Lord say, his steadfast love endures forever. Out of my distress, I called on the Lord, and the Lord answered me and set me free. The Lord is on my side, I will not fear. What can man do to me? The Lord is on my side as my helper. I shall look in triumph on those who hate me. It is better to take, take refuge in the Lord than, the, than to trust in man. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in princes. All nations surrounded me. In the name of the Lord, I cut them off. They surrounded me, surrounded me on every side. In the name of the Lord, I cut them off. They surrounded me like bees, bees. I shall not die, but I shall live and recount the deeds of the Lord. The Lord has disciplined me severely, but he has not given me over to death. Open to me the gates of the righteous that I may enter through them and give thanks to the Lord. This is the gate of the Lord. The righteous shall enter through it. I thank you that you have answered me and have become my salvation. The Lord is God, and he has made his light to shine upon us. Bind the festal sacrifice with cords up to the horns of the altar. You are my God, and I will give thanks to you. You are my God, I will extol you. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His steadfast love endures forever. This is the word of the Lord. So this psalm... Um there there are a few things in, in this psalm that that really um I found to be moving this morning as I was reading through it and, and then later as I spent some more time in it during the day. Um but really wanted to focus on verses nineteen through twenty-four. Um and really verse nineteen, it says, Open to me the gates of the righteous to open to me the gates of righteousness that I may enter through them and give thanks to the Lord this prayer that that the psalmist is praying that that the gates of righteousness would be open to him that he might enter through them and give thanks to the Lord it it struck me as as really just a beautiful plea for for holiness, um but but for more than holiness, he's not just asking for the ability to walk in righteousness, but to enter through these gates of righteousness into into something different. and And really, this is language that it, it's it's kind of temple language, but but when I looked at the cross reference, what i what I realized is that this is language that's used sort of in revelation twenty one. Um, when, when John is describing this vision that he has of, of the consummated kingdom of God, and, and he says that there, there's no temple in the New Jerusalem, but, but that the temple is the Lord, uh, that the temple is God and the Lamb, the Lamb being Jesus, um, and, and he describes it in splendor, and then he says, he says, but but the unrighteous don't enter through its gates. Like only those whose name is written in the Lamb's book of life, Um, which is to say that, that only those who have relationship with God through Christ enter through these gates of righteousness because it's His righteousness. It's the fact that Christ has lived righteously on our behalf and has has invited us to partake in the righteousness of God through union with Him, through faith, that we can experience righteousness. And and it really in Revelation 21, it's describing this place where God and man dwell together, a place in which righteousness is now possible for humans to walk in. And not only possible, but is the reality that, that those who have entered through the gates are walking in righteousness and and if you're like me, um, you are someone who who often uh, feels your lack of righteousness, um, recognizes the the depths of your sin, um, or or even or not even just the explicit nature of your sin, but just recognizes that you're not as holy or as righteous as you'd like to be. And, and this prayer that we would enter through the gates of righteousness is is really beautiful. And and as the psalm goes on it talks about how God has become our salvation and that the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone, which is language that's used in the New Testament to talk about Christ, that he was rejected by men, rejected by humans, although he was righteous. Um, and now he is the cornerstone of the kingdom of God and and that we can participate in his righteousness uh, through faith. and And so I just want to encourage you uh in, in praying prayers like this that God would open to you the gates of righteousness. Now in some ways he he already has, right? He's already opened the gates of righteousness through the life, death, and resurrection of his son. And, and you can enter those gates through faith in him. Um but but it's not just that we are hoping for um this righteousness that's kind of given to us as a legal decree um, as 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 we have faith, where we're, we're counted as righteous, right? That's the language of the New Testament, that as we enter into faith, that that we're counted as righteous, that, that though we are unrighteous in our acts, we are counted as righteous through the merit of Christ, through relationship with God, through Jesus, we're counted as those who are righteous, even though we are not righteous in our substance or in our action. But but there's also language of the scriptures that calls us to and leads us to believe that we can indeed walk in righteousness that we we are not only to be counted as righteous but that we are to be substantially righteous that we are supposed to be to be righteous in our behavior and in our minds and and so i just started thinking about that which leads me into the second thing that i wanted to discuss today which is which is this idea of of the renewal of our minds, right? That's the language of Romans chapter twelve that we would be um, transformed through the renewal of our minds uh, to to be living sacrifices, which is to be living into the sacrificial nature of the righteous one. Um, and 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 that I started thinking about entering through these gates of righteousness and having my mind renewed. And I also watched this morning The Social Dilemma on Netflix. And I don't know if any of you have watched that, but uh, I would highly encourage it. It's, it's a documentary um, which looks at the, uh, the present and potential dangers uh, that, that our technology, especially social media, um, poses to us individually and societally. And one of the things that that they talk about, and it's something that I've looked into and and heard other scholars talk about over the last few years is is that that in all of the technology that we engage, uh, really the the key goal of Facebook or any other social media, um even television and radio is is to gain our attention so that our attention can be sold to to companies who are 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 purchasing advertising right our our attention is what is for sale uh, we are the product um, and and we are being sold to companies um, so that we might consume their products um, but but what has happened is that most of us, and I know this is true for me, have lost attentiveness, like lost the ability to focus on things for a long time. And and what that really affects for as a Christian is my ability um, to spend extended periods of time reading Scripture, spending time in prayer and even just meditating and thinking upon the things of God right and and one of the ways that we're told in the scriptures that our minds will be renewed is that that we ought to um, consider and think upon heavenly things but but when my attention is being um, pulled at from so many different directions that are not heavenly um, then it, it becomes increasingly difficult to focus on, on that which is good. And, and I find even when I'm spending time in the morning or sometimes in the afternoon, really trying to spend time in the Word or in prayer, I, I find it really hard to stay focused. Um I find that that rather than spending a solid 20 to 30, maybe an hour um, really in the Word and in prayer, I I maybe spend that same amount of time sitting in my chair uh, but a lot of it is is being grabbed to other things. Check an email here. Respond to a text there. Um, you know, remember to set this thing on my calendar that I'm thinking of, and and quickly an hour that could be used for devotional is is turned into maybe 15 minutes of devotional and 45 minutes of of other things, even just my mind wandering, and and it didn't used to be that way for me. In the days that I didn't have a smartphone in college and. And, and, you know, and my life, um, was less busy. Um, although I think busyness is less the culprit than technology, it was easier for me to focus on things. And so, so one thing that lately I've been doing that I found helpful is, is I was thinking about the Psalms and, and really what the Psalms are is they're written prayers, they're prayers turned into art in poetry and in song. And, and to create art and to write down prayers, even if it is not in an artistic and poetic way, it requires attentiveness, right? It, it it requires focus, and and so I've started going back to something that I used to do all the all the time as a teenager, and that's that's writing down prayers, um, because because I find it easier to to stay attentive to the discipline of prayer when I'm writing it down with pen and paper and my phone somewhere else. And and so I'll spend time writing prayers. And what I found is that my attention for prayer grows when I'm doing that. And reading the Psalms helps me to do that because the Psalms inform how written prayer can look. And so I'll even try to incorporate um, phrases or themes or concepts from the Psalms into my written prayer because the Psalms teach me how to pray. I, I shouldn't arrogantly assume I just know how to pray in a way that pleases God. And, and so I'll write things like, like, oh Lord, your steadfast love endures forever. And, and I'll write that along with prayers in which I'm praying for my family or, or repenting of sin or or whatever else it might be that I'm praying for, but I'm trying to incorporate not only the discipline of the Psalms, which is writing down prayers, uh, but the language of the psalms, be, and and in that, I'm battling against my inability to be attentive to things that are important. I'm battling against the distraction of 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 the modern world, um, which which I, I'm not a curmudgeon that thinks all the modern world is bad. I, I, but I do think that we ought to take seriously some of the ways in which the technology that we we use and, and the social media platforms that we uh, spend our time on uh, change, the way that our brains work and really change the ways in which we interact with God and his word and in prayer. And so, so with that entering, Oh, open to me the gates of righteousness. What I've been thinking about is, is a phrase that has stuck with me for a few years. I, I was listening to a lecture um, a few years ago. I, I drove with another pastor to to Austin, to, to go hear a, a scholar lecture at the University of Texas um, and a scholar named Matthew B. Crawford. And he was talking about attentiveness in this age of distraction. And, and one of the things that he said that, and, and I don't remember exactly the concept context that he said it in, but he said, attention is the stuff of prayers, right? It's what prayer is made of is attentiveness. Um, like uh, prayer is this discipline of focusing our attention upon the divine and how the divine relates to us and our world and how we ought to relate to the divine, but it requires attention. And prayer is also, in Scripture, if not the only, the primary way in which God's people are called to resist, repent of, and find freedom from anxiety. And what I notice more and more is that the church, um, especially uh, a congregation as young as the one that I pastor, is full of anxious people. And, and I suspect we are anxious because we are not as prayerful as we ought to be. And and I don't think it's simply because we lack discipline. I think it's because we've lost our ability to pay attention, to be attentive. Um, and so I, I want to encourage you to engage with the discipline of writing down your prayers, devoting... Your attention, your physical attention, your mental attention, and your spiritual attention to the discipline of prayer. Because when you're physically writing something down, and I and I would encourage you to do this away from a computer, but use pen and paper. Because there's a lot of research that shows that that writing, actual handwriting with ink or um, you know even a pencil on paper, uh, psychologically. And, and emotionally, it's just a different experience. You're engaging your mind in a different way. You're engaging your body in a different way. And so what if we oriented our minds and our bodies toward God in prayer by writing down our prayers and not doing so in order to impress ourselves or to collect a journal full of prayers that we'll be pleased to go back with, but, but simply because if the Psalms teach us how to pray, one of the ways in which they teach us how to pray is to write them down. And to use the language of the Psalms as we do so, maybe even start by just writing down the Psalm for the day um, as, as you finish going through the Psalms, maybe just copying it down in your notebook or journal um, and, and let us be a people who recover attentiveness And by way of recovering attentiveness, recover an ability to be truly disciplined in prayer. And I think when we're truly disciplined in prayer, we'll grow in our ability to be truly disciplined in reading God's word. And when we grow in those things, what we will find is that we will desire more and find it more easy to access the faith through which the gates of righteousness are open to us. And so... Uh, those are my thoughts uh, for this week. It's a very different podcast than usual. I hope that you found it helpful, um, and and I'll I'll point out again that a, a couple weeks ago I asked for for feedback or for um, any sort of uh, desires for future topics or psalms to cover. And I haven't really gotten much yet. And so if you're listening today and and you have thoughts or feedback or anything you'd like me to address in the future, um, please email me at cole at sojournmontrose.org. Thanks for listening. And I hope you have a good week and that you begin to recover attentiveness in your prayer life. Um, And if you have any other ways in which you engage with the discipline of prayer, Um, that you have found helpful in fighting against distraction, Um, please email me that as well. And I'd love to share that uh, with listeners. Um, Anything that's been helpful to you. All right, be well.